0: This is the Trails Church podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel, in community, and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now, here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 2. Over the course of this past week, I've had the joy of leading music alongside some of our own Trails Church musicians at the Cross Conference in Louisville, Kentucky. Cross is a collegiate missions conference that exists to convince students that every Christian has a role to play in making Jesus' name known, both at home and around the world. The tagline we use is, make your life count Make his name known. For some, this means leaving behind their culture and language and family and going to unreached peoples and unreached places for the sake of the gospel. For others, it means living to the glory of God here in the culture and language that God placed us in, while at the same time leveraging our lives for the sake of those who don't know Christ. Crosses one of the initiatives that I'm so deeply thankful to have been involved in over this last decade. Multiple times this week, I looked out over this sea of 11,000 college students and thanked the Lord that I was able to see with my own eyes the next generation of Christian leaders spending their Christmas break from college listening to expositional preaching, singing great hymns of the faith, thinking about the mission of God in the world. It was a joy to see missionary friends who live all around the world, hearing what God is doing in the Middle East and in Asia. Still, being there made me eager to be back here with you, to continue in the work that God has called us to. I was reminded why it was that we planted the Trails Church to begin with, uh, when Jamie and I decided to invest our lives and to give ourselves to planting and pastoring this church, we began to pray, Lord, if you, if you call us here, we will joyfully stay. We were evaluating our lives, seeing where we could most be useful to the Lord. This is our home. This is the place we love. Uh, these are the people that we love. But in the act of planting, we also wanted to think and live like missionaries, And we saw here in North Texas an incredible opportunity with people moving from all over the world to make their home right here. We wanted to see men and women converted and discipled in the fertile soil of a healthy church. And over these first five years, haven't we seen God do a remarkable work among us? Through the fall, we spent five weeks in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, looking at how the first Christian church in Jerusalem was devoted to the Word of God, to fellowship, to prayer and generosity, all as expressions of discipleship. This morning, I want us to look at that passage one more time to highlight how this church was that was completely devoted to discipleship was equally devoted to evangelism, to the spread of the gospel, to kingdom advancement. John Stott explains it well. Those first Christians were not so preoccupied with learning, sharing, and worshiping that they forgot about witnessing. For the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit who created a missionary church. My prayer as we begin this new year and soon move to a new building and see God do new things in our church family that we might think and pray and live like a people called to this place, like a people sent to this place, I want to pray for nothing short of revival. That we would see family members and friends, neighbors and colleagues come to know the glorious gospel, saving faith in our Lord Jesus. And so here's what I'm asking of myself. And uh, I want to welcome you into asking this of yourself as well. Join me in asking, in what ways... Can I better align my life with the mission of God this year? In what ways can I align my life with the mission of God this year? Among all the characteristics we find listed that describe this New Testament church in Acts 2, 42-47, the final words reveal how they were devoted to the mission The church, which had been built on the gospel through evangelism, understood their call to spread the gospel through evangelism. And from their example, I want to show you three features of this mission as we just lock our gaze on Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that I pray strengthens our witness together. Our headings will highlight that we have been given first, a dependent mission, second, a shared mission, and third, a continuing mission. Let me invite, if you would, for the, if you're able to stand to your feet as we read just the very last phrase of Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It's not large in stature, but large in importance. This is God's holy and inerrant word. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. The first feature I want to show you is that ours is a dependent mission. We begin by emphasizing it was the Lord himself who added to their number. Now we see the church buzzing with all kinds of activity in this handful of verses. The apostles were preaching and teaching the word of God. The people evangelized friends and family members. The church gave of their resources to help each other through difficult times. The whole congregation praised God and prayed publicly. They even enjoyed favor with all the people. Yet none of these acts in and of themselves, were the reason why people were converted and added to their number. The church's evangelism itself was not engaging enough to convert a soul. Their apologetics could not argue a person into belief in Christ. Their love for one another was not strong enough to bring someone from death to life. No, it was the Lord who worked through their evangelism and apologetics and fellowship to draw the hearts of men and women to the irresistible grace of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. These were the means that God used to accomplish his purposes. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9 states it clearly, salvation belongs to God. To the Lord. It's God who saves. As we think about our dependence on the Lord regarding the mission of the church, let me show you three places in the first two chapters of Acts that we've seen already. First, look at how they were dependent on the Word. From the beginning, it was this way. When Peter stood up in the street and preached Christ from the Old Testament, It was the word itself that cut them to the heart so that they would ask, brothers, what must we do? It wasn't Peter's perfect eloquence that converted those 3,000 souls. No, the word did the work. It is scripture, in scripture, that God has revealed himself to us and how to be reconciled to him by grace through faith in Christ. It is in scripture we're taught How to live as God's redeemed holy people. It is in scripture that we learn doctrine and how to flourish as a new community. This is why, sitting at the top of the list of all the things we see outlined in chapter 2, 42 through 47, the fountainhead of all of it is that these were people devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were committed to the word. They needed the apostles' teaching and the writings of the Old Testament in order to navigate the Christian life. To say it differently, the church needed to know God's word if they were to know God. And in the same way, we are dependent upon the word of God. Next, we see that this church was dependent on the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when... The Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples of Jesus were not sent on this mission of evangelizing and discipling before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because their message and their mission were completely reliant upon the Spirit of God to work through their words, to work through their witness. Their evangelism was effective because the Spirit of God spoke through them with the Spirit of God speaking. It was the unction of the Spirit that caused people to come to faith in Christ. When Paul's trying to help a local church understand this truth, he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. And so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. David Wells summarizes the point like this. Ultimately, God is the evangelist. And finally, we see that the church was dependent in prayer. Already in the book of Acts, as they sought to choose someone who would replace Judas among the twelve apostles, they waited and depended on the Lord in prayer. As they obediently stayed in Jerusalem, after the ascension of Christ for the Spirit to be given, they waited and prayed. As we continue to see the story of the book of Acts unfold, we'll notice with the turning of every page, prayer plays a consistent part in the life of God's people. Why all the prey? This devotion to prayer is evidence that from the beginning, Christians could not trust their own wisdom or strategy or ability to navigate the Christian life. But we must wholeheartedly depend on the Lord in prayer. What does this mean for us? I think it would be helpful if we simply retrace these three steps in the form of application. We'll just outline them here, but I want to encourage you to spend more time on this, perhaps later this afternoon or this evening, as we pray that we would be a people who grow in our dependence upon the Lord and learn how these truths might shape our life as we seek to live together on mission. We must stand on the word of God and continue to trust the word of God to do the work of God in our life, in the lives of those that we love, and in the furthering of the mission. We must keep in step with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God as we go about gospel ministry, and we must be prayerful. A prayerless church is an oxymoron, and prayerlessness in the life of a Christian is proof that we don't understand how Deep our dependence on the Lord truly is. Yet we're given this access to the Father, to pray in the name of Jesus, praying in the Spirit. So let's never move past this basic prayerful dependence on the Word and the Spirit. The second feature we see is how ours is a shared mission, a shared mission. Let's move on to this phrase to consider how the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And what I'd like to emphasize here is the cooperative effort of the church. The sharedness, if you will, of the ministry. We've been looking at these various characteristics for weeks. But have you noticed that not one specific name is ever mentioned has it struck out to you that the entire church was fully engaged in this work of evangelizing and making disciples? I hope you have your Bible open. Just Would you read this back? Look at this with me through these verses. I want you to see it for yourself. Beginning in 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What in the world is my point in putting such emphasis on these pronouns? Well, it's this. The Great Commission is not for some of God's people somewhere, but all of God's people everywhere. I want to repeat that. The Great Commission is not for some of God's people somewhere, but all of God's people everywhere. Every Christian that has been saved has also been sent Every Christian who is now a disciple, meaning a follower of Jesus, is called to the work of making disciples or helping others follow Jesus. But I want to make sure that translates correctly. I'm afraid that when you hear that, you think, this is all up to me. That's your American individualism speaking. How many of you have heard the Great Commission like that? First person singular. It's not given to one person. It's given to the body of Christ. You're not called to do this alone. We're called to do this together. It's given to us as a church. I was looking through our annual report that was released in December, uh, just tracing evidences of grace at work in our church over 2023. And I stopped when I came to the picture of Brandon Drummond being baptized. I remember meeting with Brandon and Melissa, and I remember when they began attending the church, and they both said in their own words that it wasn't until being here among you that their eyes were open to the real and biblical Jesus. It wasn't until they were here that they came to understand that their sins could be forgiven by grace through faith in Jesus. And so they were both baptized just this past spring. How did that happen? Jesus did it. Jesus did it all. uh, But where did it happen? It happened in the fertile soil of the Trails Church. God used the prayers that this congregation has been faithfully praying since before we even planted, that we would see men and women come to believe on Jesus and grow in Jesus. The Spirit of God used the preaching of the Word of God to make clear and, and uh, clear is the best word, to make clear what the gospel is, who Jesus is. God used this community of faith in how you love one another, like John 13, 35 says it should work, to animate and to illustrate what the body of Christ looks like. The Spirit of God used the study of the Word of God in men's and women's Bible studies so they would help understand Scripture and what it's saying and how it points to Jesus. All of it. Make no mistake, the Lord did it from start to finish. But he ordained both the means and the end. And God in his great grace chooses to work through his people to advance the gospel. It's through our evangelizing, through our love for each other, through our witness to Christ. And praise God, the Lord added to our number those who are being saved. And let's pray for many, many more. If we're going to continue to see that, what we need is a a robust understanding of Ephesians chapter 4, where we take the sharedness of this mission seriously, where we're stewarding the spiritual gifts and the financial resources and the um, stewardship of our time in order to invest in others, And seeing all of that together, we will see more and more of this kind of gospel fruit spring up from the soil of our church. But we're going to have to fight something that's resonant within us. It's called consumerism. The American church is filled with people who just try to get everything they can from it like they would a buffet. And just keep moving on to the next one when they don't get what they need anymore. But the commitment we see at work in the New Testament is not a a mentality of consumerism, but but just that commitment of others-centered thinking. And I pray by God's grace we see more and more of that in the coming years. This church needs your gifts. This body right here needs gifts that only you have to help build us up into maturity, into the fruitfulness that God wants for us. And it will take all of us rowing together as one team in the same boat in order to see all that God wants to happen from us. And I pray by His Spirit we do. The final feature we see is that this would be a continuing mission. To conclude, I I simply want us to circle our attention around this phrase, day by day. The Lord added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. The verb added is imperfect, which should be understood to mean the Lord kept adding. And the adverb daily points to the continuing work of God among his people. So the Lord kept adding daily. The faithfulness of the early church's evangelism and the fruitfulness of the gospel among them is without question. Their worship of God and their witness of Christ were daily practices of their their life together. What began with 120 souls hiding in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem, then expanded to 3,120 on the day that Peter stood up and preached. Historians and scholars estimate that within six months of Pentecost, there were 100 thousand believers in the city of Jerusalem and each of us trace our family faith history back to this little handful of people back to this first church I thought this week multiple times about how much transition this little church plant went through I thought about how much transition we've gone through over these last five years The members of this church could never get too comfortable, could they, with just one small group of friends? Because daily, more people were being welcomed into their church. They would need more and more elders to provide adequate pastoral care for this ever-growing number of people. There would be those in that church body who love that church and invest their lives there that would then have to leave because they would have to go plant another church in a neighboring city, in a different neighborhood, in another town, in another state, in order to accommodate the continuing work of God. And certainly for you and I, each one of those realities may be in our future. And I pray that we would continue to see and pray and experience God do remarkable things among us as we welcome people into the body of Christ. As we add elders to help provide pastoral care for a growing congregation, and that we would be willing to even sacrifice and leave this church to go plant another one when we outgrow the building that God is about to give us. This week, I I was with a, a friend named Mac Stiles. We had dinner together, and um, Mac has spent 40 years of his life living overseas, sometimes in Africa, uh, sometimes in the Middle East. To give you a little snapshot of his person, at age 60, he and his wife, Leanne, moved to Iraq to pastor a church. So that's who this guy is. And I know various people that have been discipled by Mac and Leanne, and um, he's a godly man. What he was so excited to share with me is how two members from the Trails Church, Stu and Lori Grubbs, had moved from Collin County to Louisville, Kentucky, and that's where Mac and Leanne now live, and they had joined his church, Third Avenue Baptist Church. And Max, Mac and Leanne have already had them to their home. And he was so excited to tell me in a couple of weeks they're getting together again. Here's what I know about Max Stiles his heart is always open to new people. His life is always open to new people. And I thought about my own life. And I was forced to ask the question Is my heart open? continually to new people? Is my life, my calendar, open to new people, to meeting with people so that they might hear of Christ, of helping those young in the faith grow in Christ? And then I thought about us together. Is our church's heart open to those, apart from Jesus, dying and going to hell? Are our lives and our calendars open to new people? Because like we see in this little church, we're going to be called to think missionally together. To think not just inwardly, but outwardly to the very place that God has called us to. That we might see men and women come to faith in Jesus Christ. Be discipled and grow up right here in the fertile soil that we know as the Trails Church. I pray that we will. Before we close... I want to make sure that we leave with a clear understanding of what the mission of the church is. We've talked about the mission. I want to define it in our final moments so that we won't forget it. Anytime in the life cycle, we're prone to forget things. And I don't want us collectively to forget what the mission of the church is. Uh, two pastors define the mission of the church like this. This is by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert. The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. And gathering these disciples into churches that they might worship the Lord and obey his commands now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father. I think that's a wonderfully helpful Definition. We'll look at it again in the future. We say the same thing in a more concise way with our mission statement. We say the Trails Church exists to glorify God. How do we do that? One task. By fulfilling the Great Commission outlined in Matthew chapter 28, by making disciples. Discipleship starts with evangelism. It continues with the ongoing work of the church in growing people up in Christ. And that is the thing that we are called to do, to keep our eye on that target. How do we do that? Through the power of the gospel, in the context of biblical community, understanding the sharedness of this work together, and living by God's grace and dependence upon him for the mission. I pray that as we look forward to this calendar year, that we would grow together in our love for Jesus. Our commitment to him, our devotion to him, to the word, our devotion to prayer, our devotion to this fellowship. And then as we grow in those things by God's grace, we might grow in our devotion to the mission of God so that every tribe and tongue and nation, so that our neighbors and family members and friends and children might know the saving power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together for the help of God. Lord, thank you for your word and how it brings life to us, clarity to us, strength, nourishment. I pray that your word would do its work in us. We would walk with deeper understanding of the gospel that has saved us and the gospel that has sent us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.